The Peak Daily is brought to you by our title sponsor, TELUS. TELUS is a leader in social capitalism and believes that to do well as a company, we must also do good in the communities where we live, work, and serve. The $100 million TELUS Pollinator Fund for Good invests in for-profit companies and founders of impact-driven companies to help move the needle on social innovation in Canada through its support of companies generating both business and social returns. Learn more about the TELUS Pollinator Fund for Good at telus.com slash pollinator fund. I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, December 22nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so yesterday was the winter solstice. I forgot to mention this, and that means it's officially the beginning of winter. So we thought we'd take a look at the Farmer's Almanac predictions for 2022 to give you an idea of what you can expect over the next few months weather-wise. We'll start with the good news. They're calling it a yo-yo winter, meaning that there'll be both bursts of warm and cold weather. So if we would get a nice reprieve from the chilliness. And January is expected to be mild for most of Canada, or at least milder than usual, with February looking colder than usual, particularly across the prairies and the Rockies. Now, BC obviously won't be as cold as the other provinces, but even our friends out west will see a colder than usual February. Definitely enjoy these next few months while you can, British Columbians. But hey, if it's going to be cold, we might as well enjoy it. Cozy up with some hot chocolate, go for a skate, maybe even a snowshoe, and just embrace the weather. It'll be great for your mental health and have really helped you get through the season. And here's what we've got for you today, Peak Pals, for our first story, new telescope for our second story, more charging, and for our third story, less hockey. For our first story, NASA will launch the James Webb Space Telescope from South America on Friday. And it sounds pretty spacey to me. Here's what you need to know about the James Webb, a.k.a. the JWST. So the JWST is the world's biggest, most powerful, and most expensive telescope ever built. It's the size of a tennis court, if you can believe it or not. It's a collaboration between NASA, the European Space Agency, and yes, our homegrown Canadian Space Agency. It'll be able to observe from a lower frequency near infrared than Hubble, allowing it to observe cosmic objects that were either too old or too far away for Hubble to previously study. It was built to observe the first stars and galaxies from the earliest universe. One example of what we might be able to see with the JWST are these exoplanets, and we'll be able to determine how habitable their compositions might be for us humans. And in some dystopian sci-fi novel, maybe Jeff Bezos goes out there on his Blue Origin shuttle to evaluate whether we can get same-day prime. Now, here's why you should care about the JWST. It's a really big deal. After being 10 years behind schedule, the JWST is finally heading to space, and astronomers, they really are freaking out. Check Twitter to see. But one of the biggest challenges with the JWST is that there's no room for error, because NASA can't send rescue missions, since astronauts actually can't go into the places that the JWST is heading to. This is a one million miles away from Earth. Can you believe that? And so they can't get there on current spacecraft, and so once that telescope is out there, it is out on its own. For our second story, one of the biggest challenges to the EV boom will be building enough charging stations. As Peak Pals know, I do not know how to currently drive, but I do plan to learn in the next two months. So this is obviously of pressing importance to me and my future Tesla Model 3. So Canada is requiring 50% of all new car sales in 2030 to be electric and 100% by 2035. Canada currently has 15,000 chargers available for public use and 2,000 more in the works. Now, the feds have pledged to build 65,000 new charging stations for EVs over the next four years, but some of Canada's largest car makers, including Ford, GM, and Stellantis, say that's not enough. 
Together, the three car makers are planning to introduce 120 EV models by 2030, and they just don't think that we have enough charging stations to accommodate that growth. The IEA says that at this rate, there will be 0.06 public chargers for every EV. And with battery technology where it is, these cars will be thirsty for rapid charging and they'll need to have access to these stations in order to be popularized. And here's why you should care about our lack of charging stations. Now, without charging stations, it could be a real hassle for owners of these electric vehicles and even force them to switch back to gas-powered cars. In California, 18% of EV owners between 2015 to 2019 switched back to a gas car solely because of a lack of charging stations. So if we want to see electric vehicles actually take off and be popular, then we need to build more of these stations. Get on it. And for our last story, and this is a very sad one for me, the NHL became the first major North American sports league to temporarily shut down because of COVID-19 and the Omicron variant. So here's the latest on the NHL shutdown. Several NHL teams, including the Montreal Canadiens and Calgary Flames and Toronto Maple Leafs, postponed games on Monday because of cases reported among players. Now, this led to the entire league stopping all play till at least after the holiday season. Now, here's some additional context. The NHL, similar to the NBA and NFL, hasn't mandated vaccines or booster shots, but has encouraged them. And the NHL actually has a much higher vaccine uptake than other leagues. I think it's mostly because of their larger Canadian presence, and there are vaccine mandates that actually exist in Canadian cities. Now, one way the NHL could get back into play is by adopting the NFL's less strict testing policy for COVID-19, which allows players to play if they have a positive test but are asymptomatic. Now, one of the critiques from players has been the only reason why they continue to be diagnosed with COVID so frequently is because that they are tested far more than general population. So they would say that if you're asymptomatic, you can still go to work, but we can't go out there and play. And it's only because you're not being tested as much as we are. I'm not sure if that's fair or not, but that's their position. But moving to a new testing regime now might be too risky to do because even though most of their players are fully vaccinated, 66 of them have been placed in COVID-19 protocol in the last few days. So it's really rampant and it's just going to spread throughout the league. And so it might not even be worth them starting again. Now, here's why you should care, or at least here's why I care. Well, first of all, the NHL actually announced today that, that they will not be participating in the Olympics, meaning that you won't be seeing Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews duking it out in Beijing, which is sad. And the second problem, I, at least this is me speaking personally, is that with much of the country going into lockdown, sports, especially hockey, has been a great distraction or could be a great distraction. But if it's shut down, then you're kind of left in the cold. Uh, so it sucks. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review? And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Peak Pals. And have a great winter. 